HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. The world is changing faster than ever, and you need a website to go with it. Whether you're a seasoned pro looking to build your following or just starting out with a brand new idea, you need a landing page that's bold, innovative, and uniquely yours. Whatever your passion, you need a web designer with experience, panache, and heart. We can't help you with any of that. Hi, I'm Lou Bank. And I'm Greg Benson. Are we Silicon Valley tech visionaries? No, we're podcast hosts. And that's basically the same thing. And we're here to tell you about Ancestral Agave Syrup. Ancestral Agave Syrup is the 100% pure nectar of the agave plant. Now, wait a minute, you're thinking. I've had 100% pure agave nectar. Well, not like this, you haven't. That stuff is processed with a diffuser, which introduces acid. Plus, it comes from Blue Weber, a monoculture that dominates farms, depletes the soil, and won't help you grow your brand or expand your e-commerce functionality. Ancestral Agave Syrup, on the other hand, is made by slowly cooking down the pure agua miel from Salmiana Agaves in Hidalgo and Tlaxcala, two states that have been harvesting those plants for generations. It also won't expand your e-commerce functionality, but it will grow your brand if your brand is person who makes kick-ass margaritas or pecan pies or pancakes. Unfortunately, the families behind this tasty stuff are being offered big beer company bucks to rip out their agave and plant barley instead, which would be a crime because ancestral agave syrup is about as far from the processed stuff as 100% pure Vermont maple syrup is from that sticky bottle at a diner. So don't build a homepage from one of several easy-to-use templates, but do grab Ancestral Agave Syrup. Today, our first 25 customers will also receive a special limited edition Agave Superhero comic book. So do not wait. Protect the land, make better drinks, and save the bats by grabbing some today. Go to... Wait, what was that about bats? Uh, yeah, it's an important food source on the migration path of the Mexican long-nosed bat. Huh. Yeah, the flowering stalks of the agave also provide protection from predators. Oh, that's cool. Should we get back to the ad now? Yeah, let's do that. Go to AncestralAgave.com or click the link in the show notes to grab some today. Ancestral Agave Syrup. It won't help you build a beautiful website, but it will make your cocktails taste really, really good. I have been rude. 
I'm Lou Bank. And I'm Tim Sarantonio. And this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps great ex-bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico, and sometimes completely different things. It's a lot of energy you got, Lou. Well, hey, you know, it's already 7 in the morning. Wait, is it? No, it's 8. I guess it's 8 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. 8. It is 8. So, Tim, I wanted to have you on the podcast because today is Thanksgiving. Today is Thanksgiving. Today is Thanksgiving. I mean, you know, not for you and I as we're recording to this, but, you know, the, the people who are listening to it, it's being- I'm really... a very special Thanksgiving episode. You you are my stuffed turkey. <laughs> so I got quite- Lou, I'm going to flip it on you for a moment. Yeah. Why is a nonprofit technologist who's, who's sober on your agave <laughs> podcast? <laughs> It's an excellent question, Timothy. So the reason is uh, that I want to talk about philanthropy, specifically Giving Tuesday, right? So this is Thanksgiving, and then tomorrow will be Black Friday, and then Saturday, I think, is Small Business Saturday, and then... Small, small Business Saturday, and then... And uh, Sunday is Badminton Sunday, I think, and then... You have Cyber Monday and then uh, Giving Tuesday. Yep. Did I do all and that then right? Giving Tuesday. Yeah, that that is. Yeah, I, I don't know what they've done with Sunday, Cyber Mac Sunday. I don't, I don't know, but uh, not, Cyberdyne Sunday. Not, it's going to be that it's eventually. An, it's not badminton. It could be badminton. They, they might throw <laughs> some snooker in there. I like snooker. So, but, snooker Sunday. Snooker Sunday. But so the reason the reason I wanted to talk about this uh, is because so frequently I'll uh, hear from bartenders, I'll hear from restaurants, bars that um, that are trying to figure out how they can participate in giving back to Mexico, right? And um, and Giving Tuesday is like one of the key ways that I, I find a lot of businesses uh, utilize as an opportunity to give back. And and so I wanted to talk about it from that standpoint, but then also just the standpoint that, you know, Sacred, the nonprofit that I run, Sacred doesn't exist absent bartenders and other hospitality workers, wait staff, right? Because for the first three years, the vast majority of our, of our nonprofit in existence, the vast majority of money came from those people. And, and so I recognize that these are people who spend each day, every day, trying to create hospitable situations good happenings for the people who come into their four walls. These are very giving. You listeners are very giving people. And so I wanted to talk about it from that standpoint, but I also wanted to start with, um, and, you know, I, I guess it's it's ironic that it's Thanksgiving and here I'm, I'm going to say something that annoys me, but it annoys me that Giving Tuesday is Giving Tuesday. Meaning it it's, it's on the day after Thanksgiving giving and black friday and all that stuff in terms of the timing yeah it's like okay empty your pockets on friday saturday sunday and monday yep. for stuff that you're buying for yourself and then hey whatever you got left over think about for tuesday when in fact like it feels to me it should be giving thursday it should be like that's what thanksgiving is right is giving thanks that's that's not the first time i've heard this um and and it's interesting because there's like 
so many different things that you're opening up with one, you know, we're, we're turducking this, <laughs> this uh, episode, actually. I like that. So, stuff my stuff my duck. Because you got that outer layer, right? And that's the beauty of, of philanthropy and generosity overall is that, one, I think the way to get around it is to understand the reality of the economics around Giving Tuesday. Ooh. Because if we look at what it drives, mm -hmm. knowing how effective it is, it's an abundance mindset. It doesn't have to be giving, just Giving Tuesday. And so the timing of the day doesn't matter in many ways because even if it comes after all these kind of heavy consumerist days, people are still opening their wallets. And what's interesting is that organizations who participate in Giving Tuesday mm -hmm. versus those who don't have better end-of-the-year fundraising. There is a lift. Oh. And so it's okay that it falls on the day that it does because it activates something within donor bases and communities that has been dormant. So if we approach it with an abundance mindset, it's okay because there's a lift that also then, if we understand that, mm -hmm. can lead into, and the Giving Tuesday people, the Giving Tuesday movement folks, people like Woodrow Rosenbaum. Um, shout out to Woodrow. Shout out to Woodrow. <laughs> uh, well, and so they're the ones that have also said, like, we understand that it's not just problematic that everybody focuses in on this one day, and we can contextualize this, because if you might be listening to this episode the day of it's mm -hmm. airing Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. you might even go, well, what am I going to do next year? No, we're going to talk about what you could do this year for it. Oh. And so that's the beauty of it is that if you understand its context of how people's brains fire off mm -hmm. in terms of like, we are more, it's more baked into our DNA, Lou, to give than it is to consume. We are inherently Whoa. generous animals. We are. And so wait, hang on a second. This is an interesting point. We're we're generous animals. So even while we start with the uh, Black Friday and the yeah. Small Business Sunday, huh? The generosity is the baked happiness into us. is, is this... most activated on the Tuesday. Think of it almost like like uh, it's not the dessert. It's actually the the kind of aperitif that you're having in a way, you know, at the end of a meal. Oh. And you've gone through and you've eaten, so to speak, and consumed the things that you think you need. But what you actually want is that kind of calmer end. Oh. And, and, and that's why one fun thing on why I got immediately activated by this conversation, even though, folks, <laughs> we are recording it on a day that I flew in very late. And then Lou's like, let's do a very early podcast timing. And I said, absolutely. <laughs> and I didn't think about those things in context to each other. And what activated me is that there's this very fascinating subset of folks, and this gets me into a happy place, Lou, because I get to talk about the bear. And so Wait, the show, the, the bear, show, the bear, okay, has major resonance for fundraisers oh, in the nonprofit sector. So, if if your restaurant folks are listening to this, especially your Chicago folks, yeah. yes, 
we know there is a lot of hilarious details incorrect in that show when it comes to Chicago restaurant-like culture. <laughs> but what it does get right, especially in the second season of the show, and you do not have to see it, but Spo there's... Spoil um, spoiler alert? Not even spoilers. There's <laughs> oh, just okay. this one really brilliant episode called Forks where it takes place in the fine dining restaurant in in a fictional Chicago restaurant. But they're talking about, a character is talking about, it's, a, it's the maitre d', I mm -hmm. believe. And I could be wrong. So, you know, for the people who are, are way more uh, astute at this, you know, and I, as a former barista and server in Chicago, it's, I'm very rusty, but I understand this is hard work. And so especially when you go into fine dining, the, the characters, one of the characters, this kind of like schmucky bum, and he's getting sent to Stooge for like the in the the, the nice fancy restaurant, and and he's like, I just don't get it. And the person who works for the nice restaurant is like, Look, every day we get to make someone's night, hmm. and then they talk about like hospitality and the healthcare system. They make a direct connection between hospitality and hospitals and care. Oh. And the and the oh. character immediately the schmucky guy's like oh give me a break he does the thing that a lot of people outside would go and he goes no 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 think of the root words think about the point think about what all this is and that's why I think it resonated so much with people in the nonprofit space because that same core idea of care yeah. of hospitality is very critical to what a successful fundraising program looks like because you need to be mindful of people you need to pay attention to their motivations and why are they activated by sacred mm -hmm. what makes somebody fall in love not with lou that's a relationship-based type of fundraising sure. what we need to activate is identity-based fundraising that's the ultimate gold standard and that is the 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 core essence that's the kind of the most animalistic part of it it's not this like feral state it's actually one that is very community-based and so that's why I one I love Giving Tuesday two I love that that this episode is airing on Thanksgiving mm. and three that people in the restaurant industry actually have a very easy connection point to the work that you're doing when it comes to even like why they should care. Oh God, that that that's lovely. But just for the record, though, you you actually love me, right? Yes. Yes. And, 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 but, but this is a, what a lot of nonprofits run into is that they can't like something like giving Tuesday in the nonprofit space, especially cause I, I, I recognize that my audience is not nonprofit professional. So maybe we should give context to who the fuck am I? We're going to have to believe actually. that, but that's okay. Keep going. I'm sorry. I thought it was a cursing <laughs> show. Okay. So I am a, sector expert on individual giving and i have a certificate in philanthropic psychology so i understand Whoa, hang on there's a thing called philanthropic psychology and you can get the certificate from the institute for sustainable philanthropy in the united kingdom i dig that okay keep going sorry i digged it too it was an eight-week <laughs> course and it's ultimately it's a copywriting course mm -hmm. it's basically like how to write good 
for fundraising. <laughs> how to write good. <laughs> how, how, how writes good, right? So, so, so I, I work for a technology company um, that was founded in Chicago, but our purpose is to enable nonprofits so they can, they can design and, and create magical generosity experiences for people in their community. Because a lot of times the, the experience, when we talk about the experience of generosity, it's the time, the talent, the treasure that people put into the effort. It's not the money. That's just one component. It's volunteering. It's just the mental energy of like understanding an appeal that you, Lou, may be yeah, sending yeah, yeah. out and people then having to process, does this matter to me? That is work. That is mental energy that then has to compete with the Diageo ads and, you know, the cookware things and like all the, the you know, the scheduling and all the stuff that your audience might have to deal with. Why should they care about Lou? Mm. Why should they care mm. about Sacred if That's they right. don't know Lou? And... So that's what I mean by the generosity experience is it's the trust. It's the trust on do I trust that this nonprofit is doing what they say? Which really, God, that's really interesting to me, which really comes back to the value of it to yeah. the individual, right? What does it mean to me and how important is it to me in the context of everything else going on in my life? And what's really cool and hopeful about all of this is that on a base level, there's three different types of giving motivation. The first is situational, Giving Tuesday. I gave because I was asked. It's Giving Tuesday. That's the motivation. You saw a good ad. You saw a nice video. You listened to this podcast, and you go, that resonates with me. That is the weakest connection that you can have. But it's a good one. We yeah. don't want to like downplay that because a lot of people are introduced to philanthropy, and there's actual data that shows that the average American doesn't understand the impact of the nonprofit sector on their lives. And there is a very real possibility that within 50 years, we will not have a nonprofit sector as we know it. Hmm. As the we... economic, yeah, as we know it, because what we can have is the potential Amazonification of philanthropy, huh. where it turns into this consumer supply chain of efficiency. Oh, but that takes, that'll never happen. It can't happen. Because that literally, Why? that goes against everything that you just said. It takes. I, I understand that, but guess what? Capitalism sucks sometimes. And so <laughs> but, but what's I, happening but is it... an encroachment of basically these these kind of this, this larger for-profit space going in, coming in, and saying, we know better than you, nonprofits. And you see this all the time flare up. The Rock and Maui and the Oprah Fund big kerfuffle mm -hmm. and that's because he came in and he and oprah came in and they said we're going to start our own fund and they completely ignored the local stuff and so whenever outside folks come in mm -hmm. and they say we know better than you there's this kind of like business technocratic you know efficiency mindset that is starting to get shoved into the nonprofit space and the answer is not one to retreat into garbage practices by the way like that's the danger to also say is like the nonprofit space is hilariously inefficient i've been in it for 12 years <laughs> and the typical nonprofit just to manage like somebody making an online gift is like five different databases 
it's it's very very frustrating but the answer is not to automatically go oh well they figured it out over in uh healthcare you know over right. in in privatized healthcare maybe no that we obviously did not figure that out right. and so it's hard to say what it looks like it has to change but we cannot let it become basically like this kind of the 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 outcomes and the success metrics for philanthropy are different than for-profit businesses and so that's the issue is that we're trying to take two different like completely different animals and go okay one's going to act this way if we do these things on it if we train it this way and it's like that doesn't work so to get back to the core point and then I'll stop monologue. You did get me. You got me fired up. <laughs> no, it's the okay. Core point, you might be the only person I know who monologues better than I do, but keep going. I'm almost <laughs> done. And that's because to get back to Tim, doesn't that contradict what you said about us? That's actually my point is that what we're trying to to how we are starting to think about philanthropy is that there is an increasing amount of attention being paid on treat them like a consumer during the e-commerce type process that we are going to make it as efficient to make a donation as possible and the issue with that is that if nonprofits only embrace that part of the process the transactional we can throw confetti upon your gift (laughs) it actually hurts the long-term connection that you want to build because if you only focus on the bread and roses, yeah, you know, yeah. portion of the thing, then it misses the fact that there's a loo there Yeah, that's well, behind it. And then the final point is that the people who have a loo connection, if you leave the nonprofit, then they leave the nonprofit. So you need to shift toward that identity-based one. And that is a lot of work. And that is why we have such a tenuous possibility that people will just backslide into the easy thing, which is the ineffective thing for the nonprofit sector. You know, to okay. that, you, I tied you, it all together. You I did. Tied that it was all the, together. You did beautifully. You know, it, it's interesting. It's one of the reasons, in fact, that I don't use uh, some of these softwares that would make life easier for me right whenever whenever sacred receives a donation be really and there's an automated uh email that goes out from uh paypal or whoever we're using to process funds depending on how you you send them to us um but then i always follow up with a personal email and it takes a long time to do that um and 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 it takes it takes that time out of my day to focus on that but for me you know a it's it's i feel like it's making that personal connection for the person who gives but b you know i also do it for me to remind mm-hmm. me of how these are individuals who are taking their time and it's it's easy to get sucked into that mindset that you're talking about like how do you get the 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 big mass market of it but that's not what i'm trying to do i'm trying to con- i'm trying to be a bridge i'm i'm trying to turn sacred into a bridge between the people who care about these communities because, yeah. you know, sure, they make spirits that are delicious, but it's not about the spirits, right? That's no. just one That's just one of the results of this, this, um, this multi-generational wisdom that's 
in these communities that I think will be so pivotal pivotal to us going forward as a species and combating things like water insecurity, food insecurity, and climate change. What 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 I love about what sacred represents is that you are a salve for generational trauma in yeah. many ways. It's, and yeah, thank you. And that that's the thing. It's 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 so we we have a design framework that we think about strategically here called generosity experience design. So it's like we understand there's generosity experience. Yes, yeah, so these are all terms that I made up. But like <laughs> I love them. Well, the thing is is that and I had to even tell my team this. I said because you identified a a, a, a problem because I know you even kind of looked at our stuff, you know, years ago, but the reality is is that like we weren't even built right years ago because no one's been built right. And that's because everybody thinks that it's just moving money around more efficiently, and that's not the point. And so finally, we're getting our act together over here. And and I don't think any other company's doing this. So that's why I was like, we have to have new language because this is new. No one's actually connected the dots between marketing, revenue, and impact like this before. And so when we talk about the design principle, the very first law, it's almost like an Asimov law of robotics over here. There's rules. <laughs> rules can be broken, but laws, laws cannot. And law number one, principle number one, maybe that's a little less. Yeah, yeah. Principle number one is people, not money. Yeah. People, not money. And so the fact that you know you have to take time out of yours, your time. And a lot of people miss that the fundraiser is part of the equation. The executive director is part of the equation. The board is part of the equation because people give to people. Yep. 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 So I like that you take the time out to do that, even if it's a PayPal gift. I think that's a good thing. I think that technology can help streamline that. But if you put the technology first, yeah. you're going to lose. You're going to lose it. You're going to backslide into I'm just making my situational giving more efficient. Yeah. I like that. So, okay. So to, to wrap up the episode then, you know, I just, uh, I'll, I'll Oh my on, goodness. Yeah. I, okay. I, yeah, yeah. 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 No, this was great. Uh, but you know, I, I'll, I'll point out that the, the primary campaign that I'm pushing for through sacred, uh, this, this holiday season is, uh, since we're talking about people, right? It's uh, Amando Alvarado Alvarez in Santa Maria, Ixcatlan, Oaxaca, reached out to me. So yeah. he's he reached out to me several years ago, and the result was uh, that we funded his community to build a uh, a rain harvest system. They're they're one of the rare mountain communities in Oaxaca that actually experiences drought. So we funded them to build this rain harvest system um, that's captured thirty five thousand liters of water. Water and literally ended water insecurity in their community, um, which which literally happened. All of the funding for that came from uh, enthusiasts. It came from uh, the the people who work at bars and restaurants and the people who just are agave crazy. So, so this is what you're gonna do. Well, so if you're listening to the show, because unless Lou says for for some weird reason that he can't do this that in the show notes, there's going to be a flyer that you can print out with a QR code oh. that you can place at your restaurant. Oh, I like and, this. 
Oh, then dude, somebody yes. Somebody can scan that. Yeah. And they could put it up at their own bar, at their own coffee shop, at their own whatever. Dude. And you could put it up and go and drive toward this campaign. And if you're listening to the episode, Lou's going to also have a very easy way that you could just click and go to the donation page in the show notes. I love that. Yes, I'll do all of that. But I should also explain what we're fundraising for this year because we finished the water system, the rain harvest well, system. Even better than you've then what you've done is you wet my appetite for impact, <laughs> and now you're going to take it on home. This pun, is the easy in, reason why if you've been intended? sitting on the fence in this episode, Lou's going to hook you. Wait, but pun intended or not intended? Wet your appetite? Oh, intended. Okay, great. Absolutely. God bless yeah. you. Okay, so uh, so he came back to us and he said, you know, he, he in his community, 485 people live there. The language that is native to the community is Ixcateco. And that language is one of the hundreds of languages that are at risk of disappearing. So he asked if we could help him raise... He thinks it's going to cost about $12,000 U.S., um, help him raise that money to build an Ixcateco school in Santa Maria Ixcatlan so that they can try to preserve this language because, you know, we talk a lot about in in this bubble that, that we live in, in the, the world of mezcal and tequila and agave spirits, we talk a lot about preserving cultural heritage. And how do you preserve cultural heritage if you're literally not preserving language? So people, if we're thinking about the stakes, this is what you said, $12,000, right? $12,000 so US. 1,200 people either having a nice dinner out mm -hmm. <laughs> or we save a language. But here's the thing. Abundance mindset, we could do both. Go to dinner and because you've listened to this episode, you know, and you've seen, because you've maybe gone to your favorite restaurant that also listened to the episode, and that's where <laughs> things connect. And then if you see that somewhere, or you bring in and say to your favorite place, there you go. That that That's like, and that's the way to think about it. It's just 1,200 people stepping out of 100 bucks, 2,400 people stepping up with 50 bucks. You know, like, that's it. Or one you know, angel person coming in and writing a whole check. And and the reality is, is that the best is a mixture. A community of generosity is a nice mixture of that. So I, I hope you hit your goal. I know I'll be donating. Oh, my God, Tim. I miss having you in Chicago. Okay, I I, I think we're going to call well, this. Thank you. I, I didn't expect to be this unhinged and ranty this morning, but like. You didn't even expect to be awake this morning, let alone. No, I didn't. So that I, I am not at my best, folks. So oh, apologies. I can't even imagine that you at your best then. So let's call this a wrap. And Tim, have a blessed Thanksgiving. You too. I love you. And I'll see you next episode. Hasta pronto. Hasta pronto. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. You've been listening to Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Gring X bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. We're blessed with sound engineering by Roy Sierra and a theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marco Ricos. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, well, I'm sure you'll let us know that too. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Agave Road Trip. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pit Bulls, Inc. 
Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization using the power of educational storytelling about food to build a more equitable, resilient food system. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network might lead you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If you drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Drive responsibly. Eat responsibly, too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive. Do not walk, either. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to stretch every 30 minutes. If you stretch every 30 minutes, please stay within your defined stressing capacity. And consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you don't have a doctor, maybe Dr. Ryan Acock, the cocktail MD, can help you out. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip. Out.